So I'm going to begin this evening with Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 1. And throughout the sermon this evening, we're going to rewind to things before Hebrews 12 and verse 1. And we're going to fast forward to things after Hebrews 12 and verse 1. But we're going to begin here with Hebrews 12 verse 1. In fact, the first half of Hebrews 12 and verse 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. I think we often picture there's being a whole bunch of people in the invisible realm watching us. Therefore, let us run because they're witnessing what we do. But witnesses may be either people watching you like that. That's one way to understand witnesses. But another way to understand witnesses is people testifying about something else. Right? You take the witness stand and you testify about something. And witnesses refer here to those type of witnesses, those who take the witness stand and testify of something. We are like runners in a race. And we are surrounded by a whole bunch of people in the invisible realm. But what is being brought to the fore is not so much that they're watching us so we better do our best, but they're testifying to something which will encourage us and motivate us as we run our race. It's not so much that they are watching us to see what we'll do, so you better run a good race because Abraham is watching you. That's not so much the sense of what's being brought out here, but but you should run because Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and all of these people mentioned throughout Hebrews chapter 11 are watching you. But as you run, they are cheering you on and testifying to something in order that you may be motivated and run that race a little better. They are testifying of something. Here we have to backtrack. Now, what is it that they are testifying to? Verse 39 of Hebrews chapter 11 tells us that all of these people listed in Hebrews 11, there's Abel, Enoch, Noah, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Sarah, goes on to talk about Moses, the people who crossed the Red Sea, Rahab, Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, the prophets, and others. Verse 39 tells us that these did not receive, that is, in their lifetimes, what was promised. It's not, it's not an ultimate statement that God promised them something and never fulfilled it. It's that in their lifetimes, they didn't receive what was promised. What was promised? What was promised? Verse 6 talks about a reward 
Whoever would draw near to God must believe that He exists and that He rewards those who seek Him. Verse 26 says that Moses considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. There was a reward promised. These people listed in Hebrews chapter 11, a reward. They didn't receive it in their lifetime. What is this reward? It's described as a city in verse 10. Abraham was looking forward to the city that has foundations. Whose designer and builder is God. It's described as a city again in verse 16. God has prepared for them a city. This reward is also called a homeland. Verses 14, 15, and 16. People who speak thus make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. If they had been thinking of that land from which they had gone out, they would have had opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country, a heavenly one. This reward is also described as belonging to a people. In verse 25, Moses chose rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. And then verse 29 again, by faith, the people crossed the Red Sea as on dry land. And obedience is implied in every example here. Even if the word obedience isn't there. Abel, Noah, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Sarah, so on and so forth. They're commended for their faith at work, obeying God. So the reward is described as a city a homeland, a people living under God's reign. It sounds like a kingdom. It sounds actually an awful lot like Old Testament Israel, doesn't it? A city, Jerusalem, in a land, Israel. Where the people of God live under his rule and reign. Yet even David the king is mentioned in Hebrews chapter 11 verse 32. As one who did not receive what was promised. All of these people in Hebrews chapter 11 did not receive what was promised. Therefore, none of these people, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, David, none of these people received in the establishment of the Israelite nation the fullness of what had been promised. So Abraham then was waiting for more than Israel. Even David didn't receive what was promised. 
Therefore, the Old Testament kingdom of Israel wasn't the kingdom that was to be the reward of these people. They were looking for a land other than Israel. They were looking for a city other than Jerusalem. They were looking for a king other than David. There was a better kingdom coming. Look at verse 40. The better kingdom has been given to us. God had provided something better for us. Now who is the us in this context here? It is those, if we refer back to Hebrews chapter 8, who are under the new covenant. The author of Hebrews speaks about the superiority of the new covenant over the old. And he is referring to us in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 40 as those who receive something better than all of these people received in their lifetime. Something was promised them, which they did not receive in their lifetime. But his point is that it has been, God has been waiting to give it until they could receive it. God has been waiting to give it to them until they could receive it together with us. They're not going to receive it apart from us. They're going to receive it together with us. So there's not two peoples of God. The Old Testament people of God and the New Testament people of God. But one people of God. The people of faith all waiting for what has been promised. And that promise is fulfilled not in the establishment of the nation of Israel, not in the establishment of the city of Jerusalem, not in the establishment of David as king or Solomon as king, not by virtue of the old covenant, but of the new. Do God's people receive what has been promised to those of faith all along? It's not by the blood of bulls and goats that we receive what was promised, but by the blood of Christ Himself. It is not by the Levitical priesthood that we receive what was promised, but as Hebrews chapter 5, 6, and 7 tell us, by Jesus, who is a priest after not the order of Levi, but after the order of Melchizedek. It is not by ceremonies in an earthly tabernacle or an earthly temple, but by a transaction that occurred in heaven itself that we receive what was promised. It is not by Sinai. Look at chapter 12 now. We're fast forwarding. Look at chapter 12, verses 18 to 21. It is not by Sinai, but by Calvary and the New Covenant, chapter 12, 22 to 24, that God's people are receiving, as chapter 12 and verse 28 says, a kingdom that cannot be shaken. It is 
through Christ and the new covenant. Not apart from us, but together with us. That all of those in chapter 11 finally receive what has been promised. And we, together with them then, receive what has been promised. And they testify that they have received in Christ what has been promised. In order to encourage us as we run our race, that in Christ we, with them, will receive what has been promised. The kingdom has come. Christ has atoned for the sins of His people. The new covenant priesthood has been established. An effective, once-for-all sacrifice has been made. And there is a priest in heaven, even as we sang, at the right hand of God, who pleads that sacrifice daily. For us. Full disclosure has been made. Full revelation has been made. Has been given of God and His purpose. Therefore Christ's prophetic work is also done. And the King has ascended and has been crowned as Acts 2 says. And He has sat down at the right hand of God. The kingdom has come. And yet the kingdom is coming. 1 Corinthians 15 says that presently we don't see everything subjected to Him. But He shall reign until all His enemies are put under His feet. So it's now and it's not yet. The crowd of witnesses then. The crowd of witnesses then. The point of mentioning these witnesses is not do a good job because Abraham's watching you. Do a good job because Samson is looking down from above. And you don't want Samson to be disappointed in you. That's not the point of mentioning these witnesses. The point of mentioning these witnesses is that though they did not receive in their lifetimes... What was promised. Now, in Christ Jesus, in the new covenant, they are seeing the fulfillment of the promises that God made to them. And so it's like we are running the race and they are watching and they're shouting, It's worth it. It is worth it. Keep going. Run this race that is set before you because God has made good on His promises in Christ Jesus and in the new covenant. So we are surrounded by this stadium full of witnesses shouting, Go! Go! Run! With endurance, that race that is set before you. God is making good on the promises that He made to us throughout the ages. In the person of His Son and the covenant that He mediates. 
Go, brothers and sisters. Go. It's going to be worth it. We, from our vantage point, can see how God is bringing everything to fulfillment. How God is making good on everything He promised all along. It's through Jesus. It's through the new covenant. So since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, all testify that God is now fulfilling His promises. The things that they did not receive in their lifetimes, they are now receiving in and through Christ Jesus. Since they are testifying of that, let us also, like them, like they did in their lifetimes, lay aside every weight. And the sin which clings so closely. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Let us, as one year slips away into history, and as a new year dawns, let us continue running the race that is set before us. Looking to Jesus. The one who is bringing to fulfillment the promises of God. The one who is making good on everything that God promised to all the people mentioned in Hebrews chapter 11. Let us Fix our gaze where the gaze of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob is now fixed. Let us fix our gaze on the one on whom the gaze of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and the prophets is now fixed. Let us fix our gaze on Jesus and run with endurance, the race that is set before us. This is the vision that we ought to have for our lives in 2019. Never mind what happens, not to make light of it, but never mind what happens in your other circumstances, in some sense. I'm not trying to make light of the difficulties and the challenges we have and the, the real obstacles that we face and the things that we have to give attention to just practically as we make our way through this world. But weighed in the balance, those things are, as Paul says in 2 Corinthians 4, light and momentary. These things are the things that matter most as we go into 2019. So don't have it as your primary goal to advance in your career or to whatever your 
family plans might be or this or that or whatever. Would it be your overarching goal to run this race set before you more faithfully, more quickly, less encumbered by sin, walking more closely with God, running more closely with God. Yeah, not only less encumbered by sin, but less encumbered by the weight. He mentions these things separately. Let us lay aside every weight and sin. There are things that just distract us. Would we be more consecrated to God? Would would we be less enamored with this passing world? Would we see more clearly Jesus? Would we look on Him as this passage instructs us to do with a more fixed gaze? Would we have Jesus in our sights? The author and perfecter of our faith. Throw off not only the sin but also just the weight, just the distraction. Fix our eyes on it. And run better this race that is set before us. With the voice of these witnesses ringing in our ears. It's through Jesus, through the new covenant, that God is bringing to fulfillment all of the things that He has promised. It's through Jesus and the new covenant that we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. Jesus, the new covenant, this is where our hope must be. This is where our gaze must be fixed. May we all take this to heart as we enter the new year.